I think for the individual who is wanting to pursue entrepreneurship in any way, um, if possible, try to find someone near you that can be a mentor. I think mentorship mm -hmm. is really, really crucial. And whoever that individual is, just kind of expose yourself to that person in the sense of, here are some of my goals, here are some of my aspirations, my dreams, what are your thoughts? And if it's someone that you know, respect, uh, they will speak frankly to those things. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and on today's episode, John Aragon shares the lessons he's learned on the importance of resilience, strong relationships, and principles to succeed in life and business despite any odds. John began his career working for an agency in corporate America, and although he met with great success, he ultimately decided to give that up, take the risk, and be his own boss. Today, he runs his own graphic design, web development, SEO, and digital marketing business. We are so happy to have him here with us in the studio today. I hope you enjoy this conversation. So John, I'm really thrilled to have you here today to talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. So tell me a little bit about that. How did you become an entrepreneur? Yeah, for me, my journey is pretty interesting. I think from a very early age, I've approached different things pretty pragmatically, right? So going into high school and into undergrad, I had the aspiration to either become like a doctor or a lawyer. My dad has a law degree, but he pastors and he teaches internationally. But really early on, I just picked up the skill of like design, right? So I just started to create designs either in my school or in different communities. I was a part of just all pro bono, right? So going into my junior year before I started my dual enrollment program, I had a friend that had reached out to me and asked, hey, I have, my dad has a construction company. He lived in another state at the time I was in New York and he needs help with like branding and design. Can you help? I'm like, yeah, sure. I love doing it, right? Something I was pretty passionate about. So I sent them the first deliverable. They liked it, completed the project. And, you know, I'm going about school, doing my thing, getting things ready for my dual enrollment program, seeing what school would be best in New York for like a law degree. And his dad comes back to me and says, we love the work. How much do we owe you? And I, I, I never made the connection in my head. <laughs> I was like, wow, I didn't know what to say. It was okay. Well, here's a budget that we had set aside for this. And it was, it was nice. So I remember going immediately back to my guidance counselor and told her, how do I make this a life, like a livelihood for me? I can get paid for this. Yeah, right? I can get paid for something <laughs> I love. I didn't know that. That's and so cool. So that, that kind of started my entrepreneurial like journey, even, and I think even from a very early age, I had a knack for just creating solutions, right? So I even remember in, in middle school, I had classmates, I'm uh, from, you know, Colombia, but I had classmates that wanted like mix CDs, like burned for them. So I would just like mix CDs for people in school. And I was one of the few people who knew how to do it. So mm -hmm. I was making 10 bucks a pop, you know, just burning these CDs. And that's how I was able to create a little bit of little wealth at the time. So that's kind of how it started in the beginning. And then it blossomed and transformed into what it is today. So many entrepreneurs that I've talked to, and, and I, have a, I have a child like this as well, start as early as elementary school, figuring out something they love to do, and they are good at it. And they start 
they start getting people to support them. And before you know it, you know, they've got something entrepreneurial going. So it sounds like it's part of who you are, yeah, this whole entrepreneurial so. spirit. But, it, you know, we talk a lot about with our students about passion and finding something you're passionate mm-hmm. about and then building that into, into something you love to do. And it's mm-hmm. amazing that you find that you can make money doing that a lot yeah. of times, which is, is very cool. So in the span of your career as a developer and a designer, you've worked with major companies and artists from Google to Hillsong United and Reach Records, all of whom have a far-reaching international platform. And you're located right here in St. Pete, which is really cool. What can someone do to set themselves up for a successful career in web development, design, that kind of space? We have a lot of Mm. students that that would really love to do that. How do you go about doing that? How did you get from that high schooler who, you know, was making money on something to what you're doing today? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the first things I tell people is try to develop a high income skill, then understanding your value in the marketplace with that. I think the temptation for a lot of people is they want to go into something that can provide either passive income or into a scalable business but they're not able to either harness or develop that high income skill first. So for me, it was really perfecting that craft and not just seeing myself as a designer, but also as a marketer and someone who would be able to sell a product to someone and and bring the value and offer the value proposition that I would give compared to someone else. So I think that's really, really crucial. Someone understanding the importance of developing that high income skill How first. do you define a high income skill? How would somebody go about saying this is a high income skill versus this is not? Yeah, I think research is important, right? Okay. So mm-hmm. within the space of design or even marketing, you have copywriters that make six figures a year and others that don't. And then you have some designers that make anywhere from 40 to 60K to 100K a year. I think it looks different from city to city, mm-hmm. right? So I think research is really, really important. And for students who are, are either going through their undergrad or their grad programs, they can have their guidance counselors and peers that can help and assist them with that. But I think research is really crucial and then understanding the market that you're in. So if you plan to stay in the city, what are some agencies nearby that would help facilitate either growing you in your craft and in your profession? And if that involves you going to another state, then you may have to do that to get an opportunity so that you can get to where you wanna be. For me personally, As I started my dual enrollment program, I knew I wanted to, at some point in the future, where I am now to some degree, I wanted to either start my own company or be a creative director at a large firm or an agency that was reputable and well-known. But I also understood that as I did the research, by and large, most agencies wanted five to six years of experience. So I knew going into it, I would need to submit myself into a position that I maybe wouldn't have liked, but I needed to show some of my value and my worth. So, yeah. I love that. I love that perspective, John, because the research is often the the hard work that people don't know about. They see the end result, Mm -hmm. but that research is an important part of getting you there. Now, you did work for somebody else before you went out on your own, right? So could you, did that help also? And could you talk about... You know, because sometimes students are trying to figure out, do I go directly into starting my own job and mm. or should I work for somebody else? So could you talk a little about that? And then also how you made that decision to leave mm. to become an entrepreneur and your own boss? Yeah, so to speak. yeah, absolutely. So I graduated in 2011 from CUNY, Queens College in New York. And after I graduated, I had an opportunity to be part of an agency out in California 
through friends I had made out there. And so I was looking at that prospect, but where I was in life, I really wanted to foster community and be in a different place. I had, by the time I had graduated, I already worked at a few startups and a few different businesses. So I was getting some experience. So I came down here to Florida in 2011 by way of my cousin, lived with him, and really got engrafted into a community that I know and love today. What that translated into in terms of how things got started was, for me, the previous employer I was at, they really gave me an opportunity. So I started as a junior designer there. Most, if not all of their clients were all automotive-based, just based off of the relational, the longstanding relationships the owners had. So I had the privilege to work with like big companies like Ford, Jeep, Chevy, Dodge, and then all the aftermarket companies. So I started in the beginning as a junior developer. And then very quickly, I think they started to see some of the skill sets that I had. So within in less than six months, I transitioned into their senior designer. And then after that year, I was leading the design department all within one year. Wow, that's so, impressive. But for me, it, several things had to happen in order for that to take place. I needed to find the right company that would take the opportunity with me because even as I was leading other designers that were much older than me, I had to deal with ages. And then that really caused me to mature and how I take critique and criticism from some of my coworkers. So that was really, really crucial. That experience with my previous employer was crucial in my development as mm -hmm. I would develop and sustain relationships with my now current clients and projects that I work with today. So within that first year, I became the senior designer. Then the following year, as I was kind of leading that team, I began to grow an interest in marketing and SEO and SEM and, and all that's kind of involved in that. So I approached my project manager and said, well, I've developed this team pretty well. One of my, one of my team members, I think he can lead this team now. Can I just take this, basically this internship underneath our marketing director. So I did that for about six months. After six months, our marketing director left to another opportunity. And then I became the marketing director because they didn't want to do an outside hire. So at that point, I was handling all the marketing needs for the agency on top of handling huge ad accounts for multiple clients. So that gave me a lot of experience. But then I started missing design. So I went back to our project manager after building out that marketing team to people of four, where previous it was just one person, built it to a team of four and told him, okay, well, I've built this team pretty well. How about we find an opportunity to create synergy between these two teams as we're tackling these different projects? So then I basically became the, the department director leading the design team here which was composed of about 12 designers and developers and our marketing team of about four and then another 12 designers overseas. So all of that experience in the span of about five years was crucial, was absolutely crucial for me in terms of where I am today. It gave me the opportunity to travel, speak at different conferences with design and SEO and SEM, and then also working in a collaborative environment, which I think is really crucial for anyone who wants to become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Because as an entrepreneur, you... Most of us have are multifaceted in our skill set, but we often are good at several things, but not great at, we're often great at one thing, but not, and just good at everything else. Right, so right. collaboration is so crucial. So that, in my experience with my previous employer, was really, really helpful. Leaving that job was really hard. So towards the end of 2016, I'd been married at that point for about two years now, and we had a little one. 
and the family was growing and I was working my very cushioned salary job on top of building what I'm doing now with uh, John Dulos, my company, and Native, which is the other company I started with, my business partner at KB. So I wasn't sleeping. I didn't have much time for myself or my family. So it came to a point where as my wife and I were having conversations, okay, well, we're able to, with what we're able to make here, it we believe it can work, but then we're also leaving the comfort of a salary job with benefits right, and assurances. Right. It's a big step. Huge step. So took a lot of prayer, a lot of, you know, just asking for wisdom and getting advice from some of my mentors and asking them how did they go about it. So after a lot of prayer and a lot of consideration and just laying out the calendar year financially and everything, okay, I think this is what I want to do. I think this is what we should do as a family, even if it meant making less money because it felt something I was called to do. Mm-hmm. And it was a passion I had. So at, for, for me at that point, it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the paycheck. It was about something I was particularly passionate about, which was helping people perceive and pursue their calling and coming alongside organizations to help assist them with their goals. So I wrote my resignation letter, sent it to the appropriate department, met with the owner of the company, and he was devastated. He oh, was devastated. And it's like, John, I, is there anything we can do? On the spot, he offered to double my salary on the spot. And I told wow. him, I, that's very, very generous, but there's no amount of money that can keep me here. And it's not anything with you guys or the team. I love the team here, but this is something I feel really, really passionate about. That's conviction to be able to do that. Yeah, that was really hard. So I said my goodbyes. He hugged me. He He's not even, you know, an emotional person, but it, it was a hard goodbye. So turned in my keys, said bye to my team. I walked out the front door and I just broke. And it was it was one of those moments where you know you're coming to like an impasse in your life, right? Right. So after that moment, I haven't looked back. I have a great relationship with them. And they've told me, if anything happens, you always have a place here. We need you. But I have a great relationship with them. But needless to say, that decision wasn't easy, but it was necessary for me to get to where, where and I am. And how many years has that been? That was 2016. So a little over two years now. Two years. And, and you're still happy with the path you've taken. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes, you know, sometimes when we feel called to do something, we don't even know what's ahead of us. But but it's sometimes even better and bigger than we imagined. Yes. yes. And it sounds like that that's worked for you. That's pretty amazing. You know, one of the things you said I want to go back to, you talked about working with a team. And so many people assume that being an entrepreneur is is being kind of the lone ranger because they don't see all of that. But the reality is a lot of it is about being able to work with others, right? Yes, and, yes. and it sounds like you built a lot of those skills. And yeah. do you, have you built a team where you're working now and with what you're doing? And Absolutely. do you have any thoughts on, you know, that you would share with an entrepreneur about, about how you go about finding good people to work with and building a team? Yeah, yeah. So I think relationship just plays a tremendous role in all this, right? So to this day, I have I've never marketed my my services on my social platforms. And I think it's really due to the relational equity I've been able to develop with people. So you sell all through word of mouth? All yeah. through word of mouth. That's impressive. All through word of mouth. So which is encouraging for me. In person, I can I can pitch, I can sell very easily. But I haven't really had a need to do that. And if anything, I'm turning people down because of bandwidth and I want time for me and my family, right? Right. But I think relationships is really crucial. So very early on, I just discovered 
that it just takes one client. In a lot of in a lot of places in a lot of industries, it just takes one client to either impress or really you know break down your rapport. Mm-hmm. So once you establish that one client, where you're able to go above and beyond for them and show them that you really care about their product, they'll you know they'll talk up a storm about you in a positive in a, in a positive sense. So that was helpful for me in terms of collaboration. I think that's really crucial for entrepreneurs in terms of how you go about finding those people. Again, research, there's so many resources out there where you can find like-minded individuals within your own city if there's events or conferences or meetups where you can just Mm -hmm. establish relationships with people who may come from different walks of life but have the same sphere of interest that you do. And you never know what can come from that. And that's what's happened for me. I've tried to take hold of those opportunities I've gotten where I've either met people at conferences or at, at events. And we may, you know, think about an idea and, okay, maybe here's a product we can develop. Do you have a team? Okay, I have a team. I know a dev. I know a designer. I know a marketing guy. Okay, let's, let's get together and work on this. Or if you know a VC guy, let's, let's try to develop something and build something that could provide solutions for people who are in need of it. So, yeah, relationships is really, really crucial. I cannot underscore that. It's so crucial, especially mm-hmm. for an entrepreneur, because to your point, to allude to it a bit, it can be at times very lonely. Mm-hmm. It can be very lonely because you can feel that you're the only one that cares about this thing that you're building. Even if it's something within your own sphere or something for someone else, you put so much energy and time into it. So I think finding those people is important. In terms of how I built out the team I have now with Native, with my business partner, he has a far greater reach than I do. So that's been very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, to my point, that's why relationships are so crucial. Mm -hmm. So I met him back in 2010. He had, at that point, our working relationship's interesting, right? So I met him in 2010. He was about to release his first studio album. He had like an album release party getting and going. I had just moved down here from New York. And I was like, you know what? Let me just design something for him. Not just to send it. I'm just going to post it just to see people like it. And I designed this poster that was basically an inspiration from his album cover. We known each other as friends, but he, he didn't know me as a designer. So I developed this album, this release party cover for him and posted it out there just for people to see. And he wrote me and he said, John, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Let's work. I was like, okay, sweet. So that's how our working relationship happened. And it wasn't, I wasn't trying to get money out of it. I just saw a need. I saw he was putting an album release party together. I didn't see digital assets for it. I was like, okay, here's something. Maybe they'll pick it up. Maybe they won't. So yeah, just took a risk. Just put some faith out there and amazing what happens. Yeah. So, you know, you've had a really good run, a lot of success, as many entrepreneurs have, but there's always or often also some dark side and there's also some challenges to deal with. And we talk in in our program, the entrepreneurship program, a lot about failure and we talk about going through difficult times. And I know you've experienced some of those, in particular some recently. Could you talk to us a little bit about how you deal with some of the challenges? Share with us some of the things that you've had to deal with along your journey and how you've dealt with that, Yeah, that maybe have value to some of our listeners who are also on their own entrepreneurial journeys? Absolutely. Yeah. So for me personally, my faith in Christ informs my worldview so much. And my community has been really, really crucial, has played a crucial role in that. For me, it's been really been my wife. She has been my rock. 
She's really held me up in, in this particular season that's been really difficult. For those who are entrepreneurs, even if they don't have some you know, expression and they don't profess some faith in like Christ, just finding individuals that can come alongside with you. Again, to what I said earlier, it could be very, very lonely. So I think it's crucial to find those individuals that can come alongside with you and share your vision. And when those seasons where doubts, fears, and concerns do come, they can, they can be right there to pick you up. Mm-hmm. For me personally, this past year has been really, really challenging. So part one of the reasons I started to pursue what I'm pursuing now in terms of building my own business and entrepreneurship was I saw that there was a need within like faith communities and even some orgs or nonprofits in terms of design and marketing. Mm-hmm. And my goal and objective wasn't necessarily let me make as much money as possible, but I really had a passion to help these individuals. So for the better part of 2016, 17 and on, I've been partnering with a lot of nonprofits and organizations that deal in the topics of justice, systemic evils, et cetera, et cetera. So I started to come alongside those individuals, making relationships and helping and assisting them with their goals and their objectives. So by way of Providence this year, I have my aunt and uncle who had been dealing with this immigration issue for the better part of 2018 and now 2019. And so as we're tackling the issue, trying to find viable pathways for them to become citizens Mm -hmm. and address the injustices that were happening there, I started to leverage the relationships I had with national partners, international organizations that knew me personally and were willing to do pro bono work for us around the clock to assist them in terms of legal fees and direction. So that was so, so crucial for me. So going into 2019, as things started to ramp up a bit, and we know in terms of what's happened post-2016 with this administration and how this administration has vilified different people groups has been very, very challenging. And I hadn't been vocal about it online, but in person, I was doing the ground. So a little over a month or so ago, my aunt and uncle, after being here for almost 20 years, he was a pastor. They had a nonprofit and a soccer academy that they had built out for the last like decade here in Temple Terrace in Tampa uh, were unjustly deported. And that was after having the support of our chief of police, who we met I met at a gala recently partnering with an organization that I believed in, having the support of our now new elected mayor, Jane Castor, having the support of our state representative, so many individuals who are supporting, sending letters, and unfortunately it didn't happen. And that season for me was really, really challenging. Mm-hmm. It's been really, really challenging. What's, as I mentioned in the beginning, what's been so crucial for me has been my faith in Christ mm-hmm. and knowing that as evil as this world can be with its systems and its structures that I serve a God that is faithful and willing and is able to deliver us even within those difficult circumstances. So with those within faith communities, the thought can often be God needs to take me out of or deliver me from this in order for me to know and believe that he's real and true. For me, that hasn't been the reality but he has delivered me in it. So I'm discovering something new and wonderful about who he is and able to speak to it in a way with substance and meaning that isn't something I read in a book, but something I've personally experienced and can be an encouragement for someone else. So my faith, one, 
my wife, yes, Kina Aragon, my wife, uh, she's been just a phenomenal support. So those two things, really, my faith, my wife, and then thirdly, my community. Yeah. Those things have really kept me. And all those things, the connecting thread between all three of them, I think, is relationship. My relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, and my relationship with my community. So it's important to have that support group wherever you find that, right? Mm-hmm. But that's that's incredibly important before you go out there. You know, we, I talked about failure. Did you ever feel like giving up or quitting as you went along the way? And what, what sustained you yeah. through all of that? I have a feeling I might know based on what you've been saying, yeah, but, yeah. but I think it's worth talking about because Absolutely. I'm sure quitting has to enter every entrepreneur's mind occasionally. Yeah, yeah, or often. Or often. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can, to speak to that, I can, I can view my relationships, even my relationship with God as transactional, right? I put a certain amount of energy and effort in and I expect something out of it. The same thing with business or, you know, enterprising. So have I felt like giving up several times? But what has kept me along with those three things that I mentioned is my passion and my conviction for what I do and discovering the why again. It's not accruing wealth and money, though that is a huge incentive. It's nice to have. It's nice to have. And at the very least, getting to a point of financial stability, which I think is important for me, it was the why. The why for me was the passion to see individuals perceive and pursue their calling and help individuals and assist them as they perceive uh, pursue their goals. So discovering that why again for me in those difficult circumstances, those difficult times where I feel like giving up was so crucial. I mean, late nights, late weeks, late months of racking my head back and forth. Maybe I should go back to my nine to five. But then I think about the things I am afforded by not having a nine to five. I don't want to let go of that. Right. And as much as I love coming alongside people and helping them build and think through processes and procedures so that they can meet their goals and objectives, I think about not so much legacy, but just the responsibility I have as a husband and as a father to leave something for my daughter and if God is pleased to our future children. So, and for me as an as a son of immigrants and knowing that my parents sacrificed everything, I mean everything for me and my three sisters to be afforded the opportunities we have today, I to some degree would feel me giving up on this entrepreneurial aspiration and goal would be letting them down to some degree. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And man, my parents in their home country, you know, doctors and lawyers and PhDs, and they're revered and respected there and coming to a country where they don't know the language well, well, the culture is completely different, all for the sake of their children. So I look at their sacrifice, the risk they took, and I think about, okay, this season, this moment where I feel like giving up, Let me think about the sacrifices that were made for me. For you. I don't want to give up. I want to give something of substance to my daughter and also be an encouragement for others as well. That's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. So as you've been on your entrepreneurial journey, one of you know, our listeners are many of them want to have their own entrepreneurial dreams, they want to fulfill those. What have been some of the pitfalls that you faced that Mm. might you think that they might face and and how have you dealt with those one or two of those that's good we're gonna get personal that's cool yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that if i'm honest i think early on in my entrepreneurial journey or my endeavors was taking on opportunities and projects that were well beyond my character meaning 
the mm-hmm. the scope of the work or the scope of the task wasn't up to par where my character was. So, and it's been said in different ways, but I don't want my skills to take me where my character can't keep me, right? So that that I experienced that really early on and I learned very quickly from it. And I made amends to those relationships as well, very, very early on in my career. So as I experienced that with my first first few clients, I started to realize, wow, there are some aspects of my character that I need to work on. And self-awareness is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why going back to the relationship piece is so crucial to have those people around you that can tell you how it is, say, no, John, you are a workaholic. You're hard-headed. I'm being open here. If you guys are into like in your grims and stuff, my wife would say I'm a three-wing two, right? But self-discovery and self-awareness is a beautiful thing. right? So for me, discovering that really early on was so, so crucial, but that wouldn't have happened outside of the relationships I had where I was open and transparent and honest about my struggles. So that's one example where I would take on work or take on too much work knowing that I did not have the capacity to fulfill the work. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I try, thankfully, and I have a team, but I... If I take on a project, I invest myself into it so that whatever that end product is, is polished, is clean, is something I'm proud of. And for the end user or the client, they're happy as well. You know, I think that this is a common problem that entrepreneurs face because you have to take on business a lot of times so that you can feed your family or feed yourself. Mm -hmm. So being able to know what you can and can't commit to. And, and I think what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they overcommit and then they have to figure out a way to deliver. And if you start consistently under delivering as Mm -hmm. you're, that's where a problem arises, but it's a very challenging dilemma, I think in the early stages of having your own business. Yeah. And it, and it can be, it can be an ongoing issue to some degree, but I think having the right people around, you to keep you in check is really, really crucial so that, you know, as you start to get more clients and get more exposure, that you're saying yes to the right people. It's great, great advice. So I'm an entrepreneur out here listening to this and I'm working nine to five, but I've got a dream. How do I get started? Do you have any suggestions for me, John? Where do I look? What, what do I do first? I heard you say research. That's really important, I think. But give me a little bit of a game plan. What should I be doing? Yeah. So it'd be hard to paint a broad brush and say this one kind of path would apply to everyone. I think context is really, really crucial, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for the individual who is wanting to pursue entrepreneurship in any way, if possible, try to find someone near you that can be a mentor. I think mentorship Mm -hmm. is really, really crucial. And whoever that individual is, just kind of expose yourself to that person in the sense of, here are some of my goals, here are some of my aspirations, my dreams, what are your thoughts? And if it's someone that you know, respect, they will speak frankly to those things. And if there's an area where you are faltering, they'll help you address that. Now, I say that knowing that not everyone has access to a mentorship that has someone who has a successful you know, business and long years of like dealing with some of these things. So I think that's why research is so crucial. Mm-hmm. So we are living in a space now where people back, you know, 18th, 19th century didn't have the same commodities that we do. We have the internet, right? So there's just so many resources out there from books, the podcasts, like this one. Almost too much information. Almost at times. too much information that can be a bit overwhelming, but at the 
there is information. So right. research, research, research. It is. And even as I think about the design process and iteration is so, so crucial so that where you're trying to solve an issue, you're going into it informed. So even for the aspiring entrepreneur and you're trying to get into this one space in industry, you need to learn that industry. If you want to get into a particular niche, you need to learn that niche. You need to learn what has been the year-to-year growth for that specific industry. What are some downfalls? Learn from other entrepreneurs within that space that have spoken to the issue. There's several. There's several out there. So I would just encourage as a first step for the individual to either find a mentor and or do research because that will give you a realistic perspective on whether or not you should do this. And to be frank, not everyone should be an entrepreneur. Right. And that right. that that's, doesn't diminish someone's ability to bring value to this world, but we're not engineered. Everyone's not engineered the same. Sure. So it does take some level of resilience to go on this path that's very well worn and you will experience it as well. Some experience it a bit tougher than others, but either way, you're going to feel the effects of all of the fall and all the pain points that an entrepreneur feels if you go down this path. So find a mentor so they can tell you straight and then to do research, do research, 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 invest yourself into it so that you go into it and you make an informed decision. Back to what I was saying in the beginning, which was why I think finding Developing a high marketable skill is important is you may have someone who may want to get into entrepreneurship. Maybe they want to get into real estate. Okay, let me go into the scalable business. Let me put all of my savings into it. Found a plot of land, found a location, found a tenant. Okay, great. I'm making some profit out of this. My profit margin's healthy. The tenant leaves. The AC breaks. You have to repair the roof. You have no money left. Mm -hmm. That person will say to themselves, this doesn't work. Well, I think the first step should have been, let me develop a highly marketable skill. So maybe that's taking an online course or finding other spaces where I can equip myself with tools in my belt so that when difficult seasons do come, I'm not relying solely on my scalable business, but I'm relying on my highly marketable skill. That's what keeps me, not my scalable business, my highly marketable skill. Then from there, you can go into investment and all the fun and gritty stuff with, you know, marketplace. You can go any direction yeah, with that skill probably. Mm-hmm. That's that's the really unique thing. I love what you're talking about, you know, because we live in a gig economy and yep. that's exactly what you're referring to. If you've got that skill, it becomes your safety net in a way. Mm-hmm. So that's a really, really smart way to approach it. I love hearing what you're saying. You talked about research. When we have students coming in, I, I'm always trying to convince them. I can't wait for them to hear your, you talking about about this because it's I think it's such an important part. And then you mentioned resilience. And that's where that that safety net, I think, comes in to help you get through that time. Mm-hmm. You know, you've talked about your lovely wife and the support she's given you. And I think you mentioned a daughter. You've got a family. It sounds like you're very involved in your church and other parts of you've got other aspects of your life outside of work. How do you find time for two businesses and a wonderful family and all the other things that you do. How do you manage all that? Is there a time management thing in there? Systems. 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 systems, I love it. It could be, you know, it could be anything from Asana or Monday, all these various software solutions that are out there. I jump between a few from season to season because my needs are constantly changing, but systems. So I am constantly thinking about within what I do for myself with my company and my second company, I found it with my business partner, KB, 
is developing systems so that the company can continue to grow and thrive without me working in it. Though I love working in it, but I need to have assurances that if I'm out of town for a week, which I am often, that the company will be running smoothly. So systems are so, so crucial. So for me, Asana has been really, really helpful where I have throughout the month, I know what's happening on any given month, on any given day. My wife has access to that calendar, so she knows what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. So we can plan accordingly as a family. So if we wanna do a little retreat and getaway, which we did recently, which was great, which is helpful, just developing that rhythm Mm -hmm. of working and resting, but having a system in place so that you're not, you know, head above water, right? Or water, but, you know, just drowning in work and you're finding time to slot things in and you, as you're taking new projects on, you know where it can slot into because you have a very well-developed system. So in terms of time management, Asana is a good resource. Monday is another good resource. There are so many others, but those two have been really, really helpful for me. Yeah. And then just developing systems within your team so that, you know, we're not simply reverting back to the assembly mind mindset, right. but there are automations. I really love automation and solutions out there that can help you yield the same result in less time. And yeah. even in terms of my skill sets and the value that I bring for organizations and individuals, initially, this is kind of skating off topic a little bit, but that's fine. Initially, I would charge hourly for my work, but then I quickly started to realize that. I was perfecting my skill and I was doing the same work in less amount of time, which meant I was getting paid less. So then I Mm -hmm. moved away from that hourly model and just went from like, you know, contractual basis or retainer because just because I'm doing it in less amount of time doesn't mean it's any less valuable, any less value. You're paying for the end product. So in the same way, in terms of time management, you need to think about what are ways that I can integrate systems and automation so that I'm not spending too much time into this particular aspect of my business and doing what I really love to do. And for me, that can be either consulting, which I really love, or branding, or spending time with my lovely wife and my lovely daughter, which you know, takes priority over everything else. I love that. You know, a lot of a lot of us, uh, I think, shy away from systems and processes because they feel we feel like they box us in, but they really give us freedom, don't they? Yes. And that's a new way I think of looking at it. I've I've gotten really interested in rituals and routines lately as a way to reach goals, and mm. I think it's the same thing. You know, putting a process, having you know, if you're going to run every morning, put your clothes out and be ready to jump in them and yeah. do it at a certain time every day. It's amazing how that can help you mm. reach goals, and I think the same things true in business. So I love that. I love that. So this has been a great conversation. I love it. We're running out of time, I, but I'd like to ask you if you had one piece of advice, I know it's probably tough to bring it down to that level of just one piece of advice, but if you have one piece of advice for our listeners, maybe something you wish you'd known or something that you think might be really helpful to them, what, what would you leave a, our listeners with today? Hmm. Wow. That's a really great question. It's heavy, isn't it? One, heavy to come question. up with one. Yeah. I think for me, has been really, really helpful holistically as a person. I think about the prospective entrepreneur who may be listening to this or the student that may be listening to this is ask yourself the difficult question, why am I doing this? Really get down to the why, because that why is what's going to keep you. And if your goal is solely to accrue equity and wealth and enterprise, which to some degree can be pretty shallow, you're going to come out really disappointed. So I would really challenge people to really discover the why. 
because that is what's going to keep you in those difficult seasons. So it's not about the money, it's not about the acclaim or the rapport, but that one singular thing you're passionate about that brings you to life. And I think as image bearers, regardless if someone professes faith in Christ or not, we're all uniquely fashioned in God's image and we all have something uniquely to offer to this world. So for that individual, that prospect, entrepreneur, student, et cetera, you have something of value to offer. You need to discover what that is. And at times that takes relationship, but you really need to discover that why. So. And discovering that probably takes research, right? Yes, research. <laughs> Self-research and other research. Self-discovery, <laughs> right, right, the whole thing. That's yeah. great. I love that. I love that. John, great talking to you today. Yes, um, you. Where can our listeners find you and connect with you? Yeah, they can find me at John Dulos, J-O-N-D-O-U-L-O-S. That's the name of my company, but you can find me there on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, John Dulos. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Dr. White. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks.